Welcome to this week's episode of the State of Recruiting, your weekly recruiting podcast on Orange 247. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined as always by Nick Harris. And we'd like to remind you that wherever you find the State of Recruiting, if you could please like, subscribe, rate, review, all those good things, uh, it really helps our show out. And we want to point you to the other great shows on the Orange 247 network, including the flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown, and the Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rob Babers. Uh, before we get into the, the week, Nick, how's it going today? Going pretty good. Can't complain. Weather's been kind of – it's been much better than it was last week. I'll say that. Well, Nick, you called uh, – you did some local play-by-play stuff this morning, uh, calling some high school baseball for your alma mater, the Rockwall uh, Heath Hawks, live from uh, Globe Life Park. I think that's the park. The new one's the park, right? Field. Um, field. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, the new one's field. <laughs> um, first of all, uh, I listened this morning. You were really good. That was kind of my first opportunity to ever hear you do – play-by-play uh, play, play, but uh, more importantly how was the facility oh it was pretty incredible I'm excited for uh, I'm excited to get some Texas high school football on there because apparently like the rumor was that at some point down the line there'll be some playoff games there and I think it's going to be phenomenal whenever that does happen so uh, quite the facility and you know and quite the treatment to media as well when we asked the important question when it comes to treatment of media, how was security? Oh, really lax. We, we were able to come in and out. We, act, we actually went to Texas live in between games, no problem. So uh, it was quite nice. Well, um, well I look forward to, to kind of checking it out, but um, let's, uh, let's jump right into the show. It was a busy weekend for the both of us. You were kind of covering some things locally. I was out uh, west doing some traveling. Um, so I'll, I'll just start with me. Um, and my trip to Pylon Vegas, it was, uh, it was a good trip. I feel like we got a ton done from it. Um, and, and really the biggest, uh, the biggest, I guess, impact was seeing Malik Murphy throw in, in person. Um, and, and that was really the biggest goal was to get out there and see Malik and, and kind of gather my own, um, eval on him. And I wrote on the board Saturday night after I'd seen him throw the first day, I had honestly expected to be underwhelmed. I expected to have to come kind of spin almost and say like, well, he didn't do this well and he didn't do that well, but I like this and I like that. And um, I was kind of considering how I was going to frame everything if he just had a total meltdown. And uh, I didn't have that problem because he was incredible um, on day one. I mean, he, he, every scoring drive he led and and he was switching off with, with another four-star quarterback on his team. Uh, But every drive he led ended in a touchdown. He made some NFL throws when it comes to ball placement and just arm strength and and ability to get the ball out there. I thought he uh, really couldn't have done a better job. So um, was really excited to see Malik Murphy and it really paid off. And, you know, just sitting there and talking with him too, a wonderful kid, Um, you know, listeners to the podcast, you guys got to hear the interview last week with him and kind of get an idea of who he is, but you know, he comes off like that in person too, just very genuine. Um, I told somebody he has that innate ability to come off as very confident. You know, he played very confident. He trash talks a little bit, but he doesn't come off as overly cocky. I think he, he still keeps some humility. And I think that's kind of an important balance to strike when you're, when you're playing the quarterback position. So uh, it was really good to see him got to see a bunch of uh, other West coast guys, um, you know, including CJ Williams, who had a really good tournament catching the ball and, and what he could do after the catch. Um, we got to see a fast seven on seven, which had a ton of guys, including two Texas commits in Jaden Blue and Jalen Gilbo, and um, and and then a couple Texas targets like Chris Marshall and Kevin Coleman. So it was a really good tournament overall. A lot of competition, um, a lot of 
you know, are, are really good players who, who showed their skills. I would say, uh, you know, I, I, I think I'm, I come away from it. My biggest takeaway is we talk about with Malik Murphy, him being raw. And I wouldn't say he's raw. I would say he's inexperienced. I didn't see a lot of raw things from him. Technically. I thought he actually was pretty technically sound with a lot of the way he did things. Um, I just think that the inexperience is probably the biggest factor for him and something that will play a, a role when it comes to, you know, little things like being able to hit receivers in stride timing, um, you know, being able to, uh, you know, read defenses as quickly as other guys. I think that that's all experience-based. But when it comes to mechanics, when it comes to arm talent, I think he is a little more refined there. So the Tyron Swoops comparisons that everyone wanted to make, I don't think are, are, are very accurate. And uh, I think Texas is getting a hell of a physical talent. I think they're getting a hell of a kid off the field. Um, and, and I'm kind of excited to see how he develops going into this season now that California has approved football going forward. Uh, Nick, you were kind of local this weekend. What um what did you see? Yeah, on uh on Saturday morning, went out to our good friend Zach Collins' uh, offensive line training out in Mansfield to uh, to catch Mansfield Timber View 2023 offer uh, Andre Kojo. Uh, I had heard about uh, Andre from yourself and uh, Zach and some other guys around the area as well. Uh, Texas was the first to offer him uh, last week, so definitely wanted to get out and catch up with him, see what it was about. And I was actually the first person to ever interview the kid. So I, I love doing that. I've been able to do that a few times uh, in the last year. So really good kid, really good talent. Actually, um, actually, I interviewed him right after he got offered. I just never, I never got around to write the story. And then, wow. and then you wrote it. So he, he told me I was the first one. That's You were the first, the first person live for sure. Okay, there we go. That's what it was. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. Really good talent. Um, He's, uh, he's definitely got some things to work on, but he's a 2023. I think he's going to be one of the top offensive linemen in the state in that class. Uh, that size is just, um, you know, not easy to come by. And then uh, later Saturday, went out and saw uh, our good friend Flight um, you know, with a DB training, was able to catch up with Daniel Demery, uh, Braxton Myers, and some 2023 guys. And I was talking to Daniel Demery, actually. He was just recently re-offered by the, uh, by the Texas staff, and uh, he's he's really excited by uh, this new Texas staff and the direction that they're going in. Um, you know, I, I really like where Texas is with Demery right now. Actually, I think they uh, the previous staff did a really good job of offering pretty early, and you know, this new staff has come in and made an impression so far. Um, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how he projects. He's starting to kind of fill out, um, and I think he could move uh, um, kind of move out to safety or you know, maybe even move up to linebacker, uh, considering his frame. Um, I'm, I'm curious to get your opinion on that, Mike, the next time you go out and see Demery because uh, his frame is definitely starting to fill out. And then um, on Sunday, went up north of the border uh, just about an hour from my house uh, and saw um, our good friends at C4. Uh, caught up with Jard uh, Jadarian Price just about like two or three hours before he committed to Notre Dame. Uh, really happy for the kid. One of the best kids you'll ever meet in the state of Texas. Um, Denison, four-star running back that Texas was in on, uh, especially with the previous staff. Um, so, uh, I think that's a really good talent going to South Bend and really happy for him. And then was, I was able to see some Oklahoma ballers that, you know, I think will be really good G5 players, even found a receiver in 2023, uh, Morgan Pearson. He goes to Plainview, Oklahoma. Um, he's already gotten offers from Oklahoma state and Iowa state. I think he's a kid that could definitely blow up, uh, as a receiver in 2023. So that's one to keep an eye on in, uh, in the Sooner state. Yeah, I think, um, it was funny. I was getting, uh, I've, you know, I've known Jadarian for a long time and 
people around Denison for a long time. So I was kind of getting the scoop while I was in uh, Vegas. Some guys texted me that it was going to be Notre Dame. Uh, and it kind of, it, it, I think it went a little longer than Jadari had wanted it to. I think he kind of wanted to do it on Saturday um, early. And uh, it, it came down to, you know, being able to talk to a coach who was on a plane and, and getting an edit done and all that. But it's a really good fit for a kid like that, a really strong academic kid to go to Notre Dame. And I think the football fits pretty good as well. So, uh, yeah, big time for there. Nick, um, let's kind of talk about, you know, you've had some some big scoops lately. Uh, we have we'll have some more. Uh, by the time you hear this, I'll have a mic at night out tonight with another pick for Texas. Um where the way this class is going, and I wrote this Wednesday um, on our rankings release date, uh, we talked to all about how talented this 2022 class was in the state of Texas. Um, Chris Hummer actually wrote a great article about the, the amount of talent in the state. And I, I think it's early. There's five commits in the class. It's, the job is certainly not done. But I would say Texas is ahead of schedule. Um, when it comes to this class already from the, from the standpoint of they've already got <clears throat> commitments from an elite quarterback in Malik Murphy, elite physical talent, at least the number one running back in the country in Jaden blue, uh, probably the number one in, you know, top couple of receivers on their board in Armani Winfield and Evan Stewart. They've made a priority out of Travell Johnson push for him and got him. This time I can remember, so everybody wants to compare this class to 2018, which was Herman's first full cycle. It was the number three class in the country, and it, it, it netted Texas a bunch of, of really good recruits. Um, thinking back to that timeline, there was one commitment by this time, and that kid ended up decommitting. It was Justin Watkins who ended up decommitting a month or two later. And then I don't think Texas really got rolling until May or June. So from a calendar perspective, they're ahead of, of schedule. But I want to kind of look at where things may be going. And we'll start with, with what I'm going to write in Mike at night when I get off of this recording. Um, I think I, I wrote last night that Texas is kind of I, I was pretty sure Texas was going to land Brian Allen. I just didn't have enough to put in a crystal ball. After talking to some people today, I feel pretty firm that Texas is going to land Brian Allen from Alito and, and do have enough to put in a crystal ball. So you combine that with the picks we have on, uh, on the other premier safety in state uh, uh, at Beaumont Westbrook, uh, Bryce Anderson. And I think that that speaks well for Blake Gideon, speaks for his recruiting ability and what kind of talent Texas could assemble. Um, I also think that, you know, Texas is sneaky in the mix for um, some guys uh, that I can't talk about right now because of, uh, of some situations they've asked me not to, um, but I'll just tease it like that. I think that the most interesting thing, and, and Nick, you can add some background here, is guys that we thought maybe Texas was completely out of the picture with like Harold Perkins, um, they're making a strong push for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you could even say a name like Brennan Thompson was, was somebody that I think, you know, before this new staff came in that I think Texas was, you know, kind of drifting out of the race for. And now, you know, Texas is in the mix with Thompson. And um, I just put an article here out on Thursday evening uh, on my conversation that I had with Harold Perkins uh, today and uh, I really like where Texas is sitting with Harold Perkins. I'm not saying they're the leader by any means. I don't really think there is a leader in his race right now. Um, but uh, they're definitely in that top mix. He's talking to a lot of schools. And um, when you have a linebacker talent like Harold Perkins, uh, you know, in, in your home state, that's, uh, they're definitely going to make him a priority and, you know, vie for his commitment until, uh, until the very last minute. So um, 
that that's going to be an interesting one to follow. But like you said, this 2022 class is really picking up momentum and it's picking up steam like quicker than we thought it would. I mean, we're sitting here February 25th, 26th, and, um, you know, commitments are rolling in. Um, there's buzz everywhere. And, uh, you know, this, this new staff has really hit the ground running and they've been doing it relatively with, without a director of recruiting for the most part. Um, Brian Carrington was kind of in and out of the uh, job after a signing day, um, went off to USC um, and then uh, we have Brandon Harris now. So it, it's definitely been an interesting uh, few weeks uh, on the personnel standpoint, um, even with uh, director of player personnel, but the coaching staff has been able to do it themselves and uh, you got to love that. And then once this personnel staff does get finalized, it'll, we'll really see what this, uh, this staff's full potential can be. You made a good point there. One I, I want to get back to and mention something on, but um, I will say that there is a report out there that uh, Brandon Harris, who is director of recruiting, is considering taking a job with the LA Rams. If he takes a job in the NFL, it's really hard to fault somebody for that. Texas will find somebody else. I don't have any, I, I think for the most part, I've been really pleased with the way coach Sarkeesian has put this, the staff together, uh, both from a coaching staff and a personnel staff standpoint, you know, they've missed on some primary guys, you know, they missed on their primary DCs, but they got Pete Kwiatkowski, which was, you know, a home run. They missed on uh, their primary guy at DPP and Drew Hughes, but Billy Glasscock, who's coming in has a great uh, reputation. So I'm not that worried. They could find a guy to be director of recruiting. Um, That position, I think, sometimes gets written about to have more importance than it actually has. Um, I think a lot of times that that guy is just typically a, a face for the organization. But if Brandon Harris does move on, I think that um, they'll be fine there. And if he stays, they'll be, they'll be in a great position. The point I want to get back to is kind of what you said about uh, the coaches doing it on their own. One thing I found interesting, and I'm reading your, your Harold Perkins story now because you, you literally published it uh, right before we came on to record. So I didn't get an opportunity to read it. Um, And seeing the quote that, it's not even about the guys who are committing to Texas, but just the conversations they're having. That's not the first kid I've heard say that. In fact, I've talked to several kids who have said, it's not even about the class they're putting together. It's just things are a lot different there when we talk to Texas now. I talked to Sebastian Cheeks, the linebacker from Evanston, Illinois last night. He kind of echoed the same thing. You know, it was just, everything feels different, you know, and and I've talked about this a lot that Tom Herman, could have done a better job recruiting as a head coach. He just wasn't as involved as he needed to be in today's day and age. And I don't think that's a problem for Steve Sarkeesian. When you look at it, Sarkeesian is involved in every single thing with every kid we talk about down to the point of Nick, when I asked you who's really dealing with Harold or who did he say is really talking to him the most, he said Sarkeesian. So you could tell that when the head man is rolling up his sleeves and getting into these recruitments and not just in a closer's role, that's going to kind of hit different a little bit. And I think that um, it's an interesting trend to me, the, the amount of people who have said, I'm not, that my Texas interest does, has less to do with the class they're putting together, more to do with, it just feels like they're going to put together a, a good team and win there. Yeah, absolutely. And we've talked to all, all of these uh, commits that have committed under Sarkeesian and then Gilbo, who was, you know, committed under the previous staff. And all five of them have, you know, said that they've had great conversations with Sarkeesian. Um, he's done a phenomenal job of, you know, kind of uh, taking it, like you said, rolling up the sleeves and kind of doing it himself. And especially with these top prospects in the country, you're, you're going to want to, you're going to want that from your head coach. Um, and honestly, I, whenever I talk to recruits, I, I ask about a lot of schools. And uh, recently I haven't heard uh, Sarkeesian's name mentioned more, uh, or excuse me, I haven't heard another name mentioned more than Sarkeesian. 
uh, as far as like a head coach being involved in recruiting um, than Sarkeesian and uh, Lincoln Riley. I hear a lot uh, as a, as a head coach that does a lot of, um, you know, recruiting on his own uh, Lincoln Riley and Sarkeesian definitely have uh, some traits there. Um, but you know, he's recruiting Harold Perkins really hard. You can bet your behind he's, he's recruiting Denver Harris pretty hard um, personally. Uh, Denver Harris also just came off a, a top four announcement this past week of, um, Texas, LSU, uh, Alabama, and Texas A&M. So that's definitely going to be one to follow as well going down the stretch. And uh, we're going to see what uh, Terry Joseph is made of in that recruitment as well as C. Sarkeesian. But, um, yeah, it's really exciting to see what this staff can do, uh, you know, with the recruiting in their hands. Yeah, I think it's um, it's interesting that you mentioned no one's hotter than Steve Sarkeesian. I think that the, some of the guys we've talked to, it's just – I've heard so many times from parents, coaches, like, well, Texas seems to have all the momentum right now. And, I mean, we've been there before with Tom Herman, but it's, like, been a while, so <laughs> it kind of feels odd to, to, to have it now. It feels like we're uh, back in a new, new sort of thing. Um, and so, like, let's look at where this class could go. I think that um, – you know, we mentioned Brian Allen. We mentioned um, Bryce Anderson. Um, I think that Nick and I are both on record with Crystal Ball for Christopher Ross, the defensive tackle from North Shore, uh, both on record for uh, uh, Connor Robertson, the offensive lineman from Austin Westlake. I think that Texas is trending up for guys like Kelvin Banks and Cam Dewberry. I think that they've always been in a strong position for Devon Campbell. So again, we don't want to promise you all of these things, but I think that if you look at the way things are trending, and that's really all we can go off at this point is where things are trending. Um, the trend lines are very strong right now in favor of Texas. Nick, anything else you want to add before we kind of wrap up this class and move on to the mailbag? No, but I, I will say one thing. Um, if we kind of just look at the 2021 cycle and where we were, you know, this time last year, um, when there still were big targets left on the board, um, there was still quite a bit of second tier guys that we were already looking towards as, uh, you know, guys that could end up being, you know, Texas commits one day. And it seems like we haven't gotten to that point yet, just because Texas and the staff has done such a good job with these top tier targets. So, um, that, that again, that just kind of speaks to how ahead of schedule they are and, you know, how well they're doing on the recruiting side of things. Absolutely. All right. Well, we are going to take a quick break uh, to hear from our sponsors, and then we are going to come back with the mailbag. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, and now it's time for our mailbag. As always, you can get your questions in on the Horns 24-7 message board, um, or you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Any of those questions will get answered. Uh, let's start with 
the iTunes feed. Uh, the first question I have is, uh, Mike and Nick, can you uh, explain what a preferred walk-on is? Thanks in advance. Um, so a preferred walk-on is a, there are definitely walk-ons out there. Anybody can show up and try to enter the walk-on program. But a preferred walk-on is almost recruited by the coaching staff. And a lot of times they're given not special treatment when it comes to admissions, but the admissions are relaxed a tad than they would be from the normal student uh, to get those guys in. They're typically borderline guys, guys who would go D2 or FCS or something, but want to go to Texas. Um, and so a lot of times you can find guys like, remember Luke Brockermeyer uh, was was committed to Rice and was about to sign with Rice and Texas got him to walk on. Um, you can find some players like that and augment your roster. And, th and that's all the preferred part means is that they're kind of targeted and, and asked to join. Yeah. So they look for these guys that, you know, probably have some potential um, at the next level, maybe not enough to go ahead and give them a scholarship spot, but uh, you know, see what they can do. And if you look at a guy like Kai Money, who came on to, to the team as a walk-on, who I think is being picked up as a scholarship this spring. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that that's what happened this spring. Um, you know, it sometimes works out. You know, I, uh, I tried to be a preferred walk-on, Mike. I didn't. In what sport? I'm joking. <laughs> uh, I was about to say. I heard you reference your former second base career today on the, on the call. Oh, I did. I had a, I had a great time repping that. Uh, so I didn't know if it was maybe baseball, but uh, all right. Um, from Hornsfan7612, does Denver Harris compare favorably to guys like Scooby Carter and Jalen Green? What are his strengths and weaknesses of his game? Um, I don't like doing comparisons, so I can. here's what I'll tell you about those guys coming out of school. Uh, he is every bit the elite prospect those guys were. Now, I think Scooby Carter was a different animal when it comes to athleticism. I think Jalen Green was like kind of a different animal at the time when it came to uh, just like dominant physical play. But I think Denver kind of, kind of combines a little bit of everything he's a really strong athlete technically pretty sound uh nick has seen him far more than me so he could probably go into more detail on the strengths and weaknesses yeah i mean something that really sticks out about denver anytime you watch him whether it be in person or on film he's he's a lockdown corner and uh, i know that's kind of you know kind of a, a lame answer but i mean if you're looking for the guy who is the lockdown corner in this class it is denver harris um, he can uh, match up well with just about any receiver at the 6A level uh, in the state of Texas. Um, he did a really phenomenal job in the state semifinal, uh, matched up against Jaden Reithouse, who had a few inches on him. Um, and before Denver hurt in that game, uh, which was about it – was, it was through about three and a quarter of a quarter uh, – quarters. <laughs> um, he had only had, held him to one reception for one yard. And uh, – for a guy like Jaden Greathouse, who, uh, you know, received 1,100 receiving yards this year, um, he did a great job locking him down. And every time I see Denver Harris, it's the same thing. As far as weaknesses, I mean, it's really hard. I mean, you're nitpicking if you're looking at anything, but uh, he doesn't have any verified, uh, you know, track times or verified speed. Um, I'm not sure how quick he would be, but his footwork is so fluid, it, it, it doesn't really matter. He could be a four, you know, like a four, five, five guy, maybe a step slow for some, uh, you know, power five receivers, but when you have the footwork like Denver Harris has, I don't think it really matters at that point. I don't know that this is a, an issue with him, but um, I guess for me, like one of the biggest things I look at in highly ranked corners to see if it's a weakness is how grabby they are. Um, and so I don't know how grabby he is, but like that's probably something I would look for if we see him in a camp or something this year. Um, all right. Next question from uh, J.A.F. Wolf. Um, 
who would you replace Brandon Harris uh, with if he does leave for an NFL gig? And rank the linebackers most likely to end up in the class who aren't already committed to Texas. Um, you know, it, it'll probably be like a really outside of the box hire, but if I could pick, I'd probably go with Kerry Cooks, um, who used to be the the DB coach at Notre Dame or at uh, Notre Dame and Oklahoma. He's currently an analyst at Notre Dame, but an Irving, Texas guy. Uh, shocker. That's why I've got uh, support for him. <laughs> um, an Irving, Texas guy uh, who um, I think would would kind of thrive in that role. He knows a lot of coaches in the state and has a lot of contacts here. He's recruited the state for a long time. Uh, so that'd be a guy I'd look at. Uh, speaking of Irving, Texas, you know, Michael Huff would not be a bad decision there either. Yeah, that, that would be a pretty good, pretty good spot. Um, my answer for that one, I'd probably go with uh, Herbert Frazier. Um, he's the safeties coach out of Spring DeCaney. Um, he's, he's really involved with the seven on seven team, uh, has, a, uh, helps coach a seven on seven team down in the Houston area. Uh, last year he had guys like Harold Perkins, Donovan Green, uh, Varkis Gums, um, on his squad. So he's definitely connected with, uh, with the guys in Houston, a really good young personality that I think, uh, you know, kids can relate to. Um, he played at Texas tech. He's been an educator since, and, uh, you know, I, I think he'd be a pretty good fit for the job. I guess my only question there would be, I, I know the NCAA has relaxed rules about pre-existing um, uh, re- relationships with recruits, but I don't know if they've are, if they've dropped them all the time. So, or all the way. So that would be my only question with a guy like that uh, from Waterboy, knowing Kyle flood's ability to develop the offensive line. What's your best guess for how long it takes flood to recruit and develop talent to get the offensive line to a level needed to compete with the Bama's Clemson's and Ohio state to the world. Um, I mean, it'll take some time. You're going to have to be a little patient. I would say best case scenario, you're, you're talking about three or four years, you know, before it's, especially if you're looking for it to play with those levels, Bama, Clemson, Ohio state. I mean, those, those lines were built over time and they're constantly backfilled with big name recruits who continue to fit within the process. I would say, you know, two or three years just to get it playing at a high level, maybe. And you're talking maybe three to five years before um, it's, it's playing at that level. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely going to take some time if you want to get, um, you know, to, to those kind of schools, offensive line levels. But um, I mean, if we're talking about recruiting offensive line, I mean, he can do that in this class. Um, that is one thing I've kind of been, you know, kind of uh, worried about so far in the cycle. It's not a huge worry, but, you know, kind of looking at the trends of the other position groups and seeing where they're headed. I'd like to see the offensive line, you know, kind of pick up those trends. I mean, obviously they're doing great with Devon Campbell but his recruitment's going to play out. Um, and then, then Cam Dewberry and Kelvin Banks, both of their recruitments are, you know, uh, heavyweight battles with uh, a lot of those schools that you mentioned. So um, well, he's definitely going to have an opportunity to recruit the offensive line uh, at an elite level in this class. So we'll, we'll see in the next 10 months or so. Yeah. I think is the biggest thing is I think we like where everything's trending on the offensive line recruits. Those, those recruitments just seem like the timelines are going to be much longer um so that you know there's always chance for things to change a lot when the timelines are are longer from horns forever 22 uh update on brennan thompson is he in danger of not making this class at wide receiver if all the spots fill up for before he commits um you know i i want to say this nick 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 and nick talks to brennan a lot and people around him and could probably give us an update but um man i think people sometimes get way too worried on the who's uh that are going to be in this class um, when you're recruiting like this and you're getting guys, your, your primary, primary targets, yeah, you're probably going to have to pass on some guys that you would normally take and, and those roles fill up. I think as long as you continue to get good players, um, you know, you, you really have to, um, 
you really just have to be happy with, with what you've got going on. You know, if they don't get Brennan Thompson, but they get another, you know, really strong receiver prospect. I think you kind of just have to be happy with that. And I know everybody has their guys that they love, but if you're looking at Brennan's speed, which I understand is fantastic and a part of it, you know, Texas kind of already has that in their class and Evan Stewart, who's an elite speed guy. So um, it's always good to have two elite speed guys. It's always better, but you know, maybe they want to go in a different direction and find a, a bigger, more physical guy. You know, you know, you never know. So uh, don't get too married to certain guys um, get married to how they are recruiting the position how high the level of talent they're bringing in is yeah solid points for sure and uh, Mike you can kind of tell me if I'm wrong here but I I would imagine there's going to be a spot for Brendan Thompson in this class if he wants it you know no no matter you know when he wants to commit whether it be tomorrow or in February um you know he's he's a talent that um you know is uh, pretty highly coveted um not only in the state of Texas but in the country as far as like an update on his recruitment, I think Clemson is really going to be a big factor in this one. Um, they've offered recently. They've been uh, recruiting him pretty hard. Um, and he also has a close relationship with Kate Klubnik. If Kate Klubnik also gets that offer from Clemson, uh, I, I would not be surprised to see both of them, you know, kind of talk that one over. Um, Oklahoma is also one just to kind of keep an eye on. I know their receiver room is pretty stacked right now, as is, especially in the class of 2022. And then, uh, you also look at Oregon um, and Texas A&M as some other schools. Uh, and then, honestly, I, I, I wouldn't count out Texas Tech. I'm not going to sit here and say that Brendan Thompson is going to go to Texas Tech, but he's definitely interested in his, uh, his hometown uh, Red Raiders. I say hometown. It's like an hour and a half away, but uh, he's definitely interested in, the, in them and he wants to visit. So those are just some schools to kind of keep an eye on. As far as where Texas sits among all that, I would say they're in the top grouping, um, but I don't know if they're number one at this point. All right. Um... And, and I think, yeah, I think for the most part, Texas will hold a spot for him. But there will come a day where they say, look, we just don't have any more spots. So you either got to commit now or, or you don't. And I don't think that day is going to be next February. I think it'd probably be sooner than that. Um, we'll, we'll see kind of where it ends up. But uh, I think that obviously things are trending well at receiver. So, uh, you know, I think that either way they end up, they'll be pretty happy with what they get. Uh, from OTM, uh, call your shot right now. Where does Denver Harris land? Last I checked, the slight edge was on Texas, although I think it, it really comes down to Texas and AM. I won't count Alabama out just because I know how much Denver liked A, liked Alabama, and B, how much he likes Jay Valai. Uh, and his mom likes Jay Valai. So uh, that's going to be a factor. But I think if, if I had to guess right now, I'd say Texas by the slightest of margins. Yeah, this is a great opportunity to bring up how dangerous um, Jay Valai is about to be in this recruiting cycle, just because he's built relationships with so many of these uh, DBs in the state of Texas in 2022, and there's so many good ones. Um, he's gonna he's gonna be a full court press on Denver Harris, and um, I'm not calling my shot. I just don't like doing that. But don't count out Alabama whatsoever, and um, Texas and Texas A&M are all right there too. I think LSU is kind of a, the odd man out in his top four, personally. Um, I think it's going to come down to those three schools. All right. From McKeezy8, who are your top three favorite recruits in the 2022 class? Can be anyone you want. doesn't have to be a Texas commit. Um, Evan Stewart and I are really close, so I'll say Evan is one. Um, <laughs> Malik Agbo, who I just met this weekend, is the most pleasant human being I've met in my <laughs> entire life. Uh, he will be number two. And man, I'd probably honestly say like CJ Williams and Malik Murphy in a tie for number three, both those kids are awesome uh, to deal with. So I, I laughed about it because 
maybe it's just one of those things where we see the same kids and we talk to the same kids all the time. But man, talking to the California kids is such a, it's almost like refreshing. Like they're just different the way they, they deal with you and stuff. So um, yeah, I, I would go with that list. Yeah, McKeezy 8, you messed up by saying uh, it doesn't have to be anyone that's a Texas commit because now I'm about to give you way more than three. Um, I do like Harold Perkins. Uh, Me and him have been super tight for, I guess, going on about a year now. Um, Super great kid, and he'll sit and talk to you for 10, 15 minutes just about life and whatever. We had a whole conversation about Call of Duty earlier, and I don't even play the game. So uh, that was pretty interesting. And uh, being in Rockwall and catching up with those 2022 quarterbacks, Josh Hoover and Braden Locke, both of those guys are – Pretty awesome. Jay Fair as well in the Rockwall area. Um, Jalen Peoples out at Cedar Hill, a pr- pretty cool kid. Um, trying to think of some others even. Um, that's about all I can think of right now. But there, there's a lot of good kids in this class, honestly. I feel like I've had that conversation with someone recently. All right, next question from um, Hudat Hookum. Uh, who is the one must-get player on defense in the 2022 cycle? I feel like we've we've talked about Harold a lot. I feel like that's probably going to be your answer. Uh, my answer is Amari Abor. I think that he's a future top 10 pick. And to me, Texas needs edge rushers more than anything. So Amari Abor is mine. Oh, yeah. And Amari Abor is a fantastic kid, too. He's hilarious. Great, great kid to catch up to. A great kid to catch up with. Um, uh, must get player on defense. Yeah, I would probably say Harold Perkins or Denver Harris. Um, I, I, you can make the, the case for Amari Abor, certainly, just because how down – uh, this cycle is on the defensive line. And I was kind of mentioning that on the board earlier this week. Um, uh, there's not a lot of talent in the state of Texas uh, when it comes to the defensive line. You got Amari Abor, you got Malik Silla, uh, you got a couple of elite defensive tackles like Chris Ross and Dre Bledsoe. And then after that, it gets kind of scarce. So um, don't be surprised to see this staff kind of put some priority on some out of state guys and, and look out of state to, to fill those defensive line holes. Uh, what would be a realistic O-line class for Texas from near on uh, 1691? I think we've mentioned the, the three big in-state guys. I think it's see Texas landing all those guys, uh, Devon Campbell, Cam Dewberry, Kelvin Banks. Um, and then I, I could see them landing one or two guys out West. I think probably their biggest targets out West are, um, you know, either Ernest Green or uh, Malik Agbo, who, Somebody asked a question. I'm going to answer two questions in one here because I'm that good. Somebody asked a question about those two guys out West. Um, I think things are still really early, but I do detect a very genuine sense of interest from Malik Agbo. Uh, I think that he is a kid, a smart kid. Texas appeals to him. He wants to go into broadcast communications. I think they could push the Longhorn Network angle there. He's had a long relationship with Coach Flood going back to Alabama. So I think that Texas is in a good spot with Malik Agbo early. I have not been able to connect with Ernest Green yet, so I don't know there. Yeah, I also caught up with Malik last week just kind of through DMs. Obviously, you were able to meet him out in Vegas this past week. Fantastic kid, and I think he does have genuine interest in Texas. And typically with those out-of-state kids, when it comes to, you know, are they interested in Texas, we can typically tell by if they reply to our DMs. Um, so uh, that, that was definitely a, a good sign right off the bat. And then in talking to him, um, he seems genu- genuinely interested as well. Now, what was the first question? I, I missed the first. Uh, the what's a one. realistic O-line class look like? Realistic O-line class. I could, I could see Devon Campbell in this class, Connor Robertson. Um, I could see Cam Dewberry in this class. Uh, Kelvin Banks, I think they need to do a little bit more work on. I, I Obviously, Texas is right in the mix there, but I think Texas A&M is going to be tough to beat. Um, trying to think of some others, more so some tackle bodies. Uh can't really think off the top of my head. Those are definitely some guys I feel good about right now. 
All right, our next question from O Horns. Uh, where would Sebastian Cheeks be if he played 6A in Texas? Would he be a top 100 guy? Um, I can't speak for the national ranking. I think he would be a very good player. Um, I think he'd probably be a top 25 player in the state. Um, it, it says, I know Notre Dame's courting him. What happens if he visits Texas really pushes? This is a kid who, even before he had an offer from the old staff, I was hearing from people up north, hey, this kid is really interested in Texas. Like he wants to visit Texas. He's always kind of been fascinated with Texas. So when, you know, Coleman Hutzler offered, he was really excited. He reached out to me yesterday to tell me how excited he was that Texas had re-offered. So I do think he's fairly open and I think that he has a real genuine interest. So um, you never know. We'll see if they can get him in on a visit. That's the, obviously the first key. But once they do that, I think they've got a really good chance. Mike answered this question really well. And when I first answered, uh, first read this question, I misinterpreted it as uh, where would he play high school if he played 6A in Texas? So I'm going to answer it that way because I think that would be fun. Could you imagine Sebastian Cheeks at like a Duncanville or DeSoto? No, that would be <laughs> scary. Um, for you, t- uh, or what if he was at Side Park with Pee Wee and Harold Perkins? Oh. <laughs> oh. He'd probably be playing offense too. Yeah. Uh, from you. Our final question from UTEX Horn alum, because my battery is about to die. Uh, name uh, the two top out-of-state offensive line targets you feel Texas is a fighting chance for. I feel like we kind of just answered that, but Malik Agbo is definitely one. Um, I'll go a different way. I will say um, – oh, why did I just blank? Um, the offensive lineman from Oklahoma. who just, Jacob Sexton. Jacob Sexton is the other guy that I think – not that I think Texas is in the lead. Um, I think Oklahoma is probably the favorite and should be for any Oklahoma kids. But I don't think Texas is like completely out of the picture there. So I'll say him. Yeah, I, I like the Agbo pick. I like the Sexton pick. Um, I'm going through the offers right now to make sure I don't I don't miss on anybody. Um, I do know uh, George Fitzpatrick. He's from Cherry Creek, which is uh, the school that um, Gunnar Helm tied in signing in 2021 came from in, in Colorado. I, I talked to George whenever I went out there last, last November and he had a genuine interest in Texas. He doesn't hold a reoffer. Not sure if he'll get it anytime soon, but if he does get that reoffer, that's, that's going to be one to uh, keep an eye on. Um, yeah, those are the only out of state guys that I would really be keeping an eye on period. All right. And that's going to do it for our mailbag and that's going to do it for our show. Um, We've got uh, a busy weekend ahead. We'll have some fun stuff on the website this weekend. Uh, So check back there. Can't get into it right now. Uh, But Nick, uh, you also have Pylon Houston this weekend that you're going to do. So should see some good stuff out there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Looking forward to it. There's some teams that we haven't been able to see on the circuit yet that are going to be out there. Um, Our good friends at team grind are going to be down there uh, debuting their, their new squad. Um, going to be able to catch up uh, with a lot of Houston guys, of course, be a ton of Houston teams down there. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. All right. Well, everybody, we appreciate you guys for listening, for joining in, for uh, being involved in our mailbag segment. Uh, Thanks for for writing in. Thanks for caring. Uh, For Nick Harris, I'm Mike Roach. We'll see you guys next week.